Well, that was the opening music to Bad Day at Black Rock. And that's the opening music that almost wasn't, because there was an original cut that had no opening music, which apparently didn't screen very well with uh, test audiences. And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and I'm Matt Johnson, recording today from Portland, Oregon. And I'm Bob Johnson uh, in Los Angeles, welcoming you all back to uh, Classic Movie Reviews and The Bad Day at Black Rock. What a movie. I remember seeing this as a kid. It's very timely. It really is. It hasn't aged uh, much at all. Well, should we tell people where they can find us first before we dive oh, in? Oh, please. Uh, please do. <laughs> okay. You can find us on the internet at www.classicmoviereviews.net or on Facebook or in iTunes. Just search for Classic Movie Reviews and you'll find us in there. And thank you for everyone that has dropped comments in Facebook and uh, given us suggestions for future movies. We really appreciate it. I second that entirely. A little bit of background on Bad Day at Black Rock. John Sturgis is the director, and uh, Mr. Sturgis had a long and prolific career. Did a lot of fun movies. Uh, Gunfight at the Oak Corral in 1957. A movie that's pretty good, but I love the title, Saddle of the Wind in 1958. The Old Man in the Sea in 1958. Last Train from Boot Hill. I see a theme here of uh, in 1959. Uh, the Magnificent Seven, 1960. The Great Escape, 1963. He did a lot of movies. Yeah, and we're going to do a few more of his movies. But first, because Christmas is coming up, we're going to take a break from John Sturgis movies, and we're going to review a Christmas story for the next podcast, and that'll come out uh, a day or two ahead of Christmas. And, Outstanding. Uh, I don't think I even need to rewatch that film. I've memorized pretty much all of the entire <laughs> film. <laughs> no, just don't shoot your eye out while watching it. All right, I'll try not to. But back to Black, Bad Day at Black Rock. I, I, I love this movie because of the theme. I mean, especially with things going on right now. The fact that he is coming back to deliver the medal... Is it a Medal of Honor? It's some type of a medal from the war. It's a medal. It's not the Medal of Honor, but it, it's kind of like the next level. I forget what, what the title of it was. He's coming back to this town, Black Rock, which is in the middle of freaking nowhere. It's one of these towns that just grew up along the ra- railway. Uh, but the, the train never stops there, apparently. It's been uh, years since the train has stopped in this town. And it does... It does stop on this one day, and Spencer Tracy's character gets off the train, and he's playing John McCready. Man, they look woebegone and far away. Oh, I'll only be here 24 hours. In a place like this, it could be a lifetime. (laughs) Good luck, Mr. McCready. Thank you. Thanks very much. Black Rock? That's right. There must be some mistake. I'm Hastings, a telegraph agent. Nobody told me the train was stopping. They didn't? No, I just told you they didn't. And they ought to. What I want to know is why didn't they? Maybe they didn't think it was important. Important? It's the first time a streamliner stopped here in four years. Uh, you being met, uh, you busy folks or something? I mean, uh, what do you want? 
I want to go to a place called Adobe Flat. Are there any cabs available? Adobe Flat? Yeah, no cabs. Hotel open? Is the hotel open? Thank you. And he gets a very chilly welcome. Uh, but we come to find out later that he's there, as I was coming back to my story here, he was there to deliver a medal to the father of uh, a man that saved his life in the war. And there's kind of a kind of a, 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 a fact about this family that we don't find out until a little bit later in the film that's pretty important. It's a, a uh, non-stop uh, relevant story. Dory Sherry was the producer of the film, and uh, he was known for making films that had a had a strong message to them. Um, MGM was the uh, distributor, and from my research, it uh, made uh, quite a bit of money. Uh, it came out in January of 1955, and I can remember vividly going to see that when it was out. I've been looking here to find uh, what medal it was that he gives to, or wanted to give to the the man, but I can't find it. Well, while you're doing that, I'll I'll tell you some more trivia about the opening of this film. They had to actually bring that train to that little town, running it backwards the entire way, because there were, that, that track had been pretty disused, and they had to run it across a few bridges that they weren't 100% sure <laughs> were going to hold the weight of the train. Oh, boy. Um, and, yeah, the original conception of the film was that it was just going to open up with the sounds of wind and birds and the train, but there was not going to be any opening music, and the test audiences were, they just didn't, they didn't like that. They didn't get it. It didn't really connect to them. So they ended up bringing in the the score. And I really like the music in the film. I, I think that was uh, the right choice. Oh, I do too. It's a perfect match for the uh, story. Andre Previn did the music for the uh, film. And he went on for uh, many years in a very successful career. Uh, the friend I uh, see on Friday, who uh, was an actor, said that this he knows where this was filmed in Lone Pine, uh, which is north of Los Angeles, uh, about a three-hour drive. And they built that little town completely from uh, scratch. Wow. None of, it, none of it existed then, and it was about a mile out of the little town of Lone Pine. But didn't it look like a real place? Oh, it totally looked like a real place. And... Did you, so you saw this in the theater? What was it like to see it like on the big screen? Because that those, that scenery of the mountains, the Sierra Nevadas, and I guess it was projected. Is it uh, like the super wide aspect ratio, right? So it's I don't know if it's seventy millimeter or not, but it sure looked like it. Oh, it's it's CinemaScope. Yeah, it was in CinemaScope and sitting in the Judy Theater in Lewistown, Montana, as a fourteen-year-old watching that train. It was amazing. I, I love the movie. In fact, I, I may have gone to see it twice or may have sat through it a second time because in those days uh, you could do that sort of thing in that theater because I just I loved it so much. Robert Ryan as Reno Smith, Anne Francis, Dean Jagger, Walter Brennan. Wasn't Walter Brennan something? Yeah, he was great. John Erickson. What a cast. What a cast. Ernest Borgnine, Lee Marvin. Wow. I tell you. And, you know, I uh, kind of jump ahead, but uh, 
John McCready, uh, Tracy's character, was pretty handy when it came to defending himself. Yeah, that scene in the in the little cafe there where he takes out <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine's character. It, it took a lot to provoke him, but once he was in action, watch out. And apparently Spencer Tracy wasn't too sure that he was doing it correctly or that even those moves would be as dangerous as they showed in the film. So they took the uh, some of the dailies to a um, Marine combat instructor and showed it to him. And he says, oh yeah, you could actually kill somebody with that chop to the neck. So it was pretty realistic in terms of the combat. It was uh, something to see. Your friend's a very argumentative fellow. Sort of unpredictable, too. Got a temper like a rattlesnake. That's me all over. I'm half horse, half alligator. You mess with me and I'll kick a lung out of you. What do you think of that? No comment. You know, talking to you is like pulling teeth. You wear me out. You're a yellow belly chap lover, am I right or wrong? You're not only wrong, you're wrong at the top of your voice. You don't like my voice? I think your friend is trying to start trouble. Why ever would he want to do that? Well, I don't know. Maybe he thinks that if he needles me enough, I might crack. I might even fight back. And then either he or your other ape sitting over there could beat me to death and cop a plea of self-defense. I don't think that'll be necessary. You're so scared now, you're probably drowning your own sweat. Ah, before that happens. Couldn't I pick a fight with you if I tied one hand behind me? If I tied both hands... I did read that uh, um, Alan Ladd was kind of an, uh, in the background here because Tracy wasn't sure he wanted to do the part. Mm -hmm. And the studio uh, maneuvered him into saying yes because they said that uh, they had sent the script to Alan Ladd to read. Yeah, I, I read that too. That's awesome. <laughs> the other thing about Spencer Tracy too was that he was an alcoholic, but uh, during the filming of the movie, he would go, he would not drink. But that tended to make him really cranky. And so they had a few uh, incidents on the set where he just wasn't getting along with people like Aunt Francis. There was a scene, that scene when they're driving and racing in the Jeep out to the homestead, where uh, Aunt, Fr Aunt Francis took a particularly uh, hard pothole and kind of bumped uh, <laughs> Spencer Tracy in his seat. And uh, I guess after after Anne Francis kind of stood up to him, he, he was a little bit nicer to her. But he Spencer Tracy, man, what a complex guy. No kidding. Kind of a tragic character in real life. Well, the story is, is very straightforward and timely. Uh, Tracy's character, John McCready, has come back. He wants to give a medal to um, Mr. Kamoko, whose son saved Tracy's life during World War II, I think they were in Italy, and uh, the town is totally, totally unpleasant to uh, Tracy. It's like, what are you doing here? Suspicion was abounding, and yeah, they definitely don't like strangers. The thugs, uh, Lee Marvin and Ernest Borgnine, made it hard for him. But Tracy um, 
I think he's quite mysterious in this. He's, he's sort of a, it's almost like one of those Clint Eastwood movie westerns where the stranger comes into town and uh, makes things right. But you never know quite who the guy is. You don't really know his character that well. Well, I read that this isn't really in the film, but I read that the idea was that he this was kind of his last act and that he was kind of at the end of his rope and that potentially he was going to kill himself after this because he was just so, you know, like post-traumatic. Couldn't, couldn't get work, apparently. Um, but because of the events during the film, it kind of turns him around and he actually finds meaning in life again. I was washed up when I got off that train. You shouldn't have got off. I had to. I had one last duty to perform before I resigned from the human race. I thought you were going to Los Angeles. That hot bit of pomp and vanity. Is that what you call resigning from the human race? Good jumping off place for South America, the islands. Why? I don't know. I guess I was just looking for some place to get lost. Why do you want to get lost? Because I was afraid I couldn't function any longer. Luckily, your friend Smith changed my mind. That makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Because he, he plays that he plays that so well. Because he, when he gets um, off the train, it's kind of like he doesn't really give a shit about any... He just wants to do this one thing. And he's like, what is all your problems? You know, I just want to go out to the homestead. And <laughs> everybody's giving him such a hard time about it. And then he realizes, and then he kind of slowly realizes what what happened. The um, the way he starts, he's very low key, and he doesn't want to get pushed. Or when he is pushed, he doesn't want to push back. When Lee Marvin ends up in his hotel room, sitting on the bed with his boot, I hate that. I'm, I've got a pet peeve about shoes on beds. And when he had his dirty <laughs> boots on the bed, I was so creeped out by that. To, to say nothing of smoking and flicking his ashes on him. <laughs> yeah. That and, whole scene and, was so gross. And Tracy just says, I'll, I'll move to another room. Or when he gets provoked in the restaurant, he said, oh, I'll take a different seat. Yeah. He's not, but when, he's, when he's, he reaches his breaking point, wow, he's very effective. And then once, after that scene in the cafe, he sort of like, becomes much more proactive i guess remember i love the scene in the hotel when he really lets it have lets that guy that works behind the counter have it what was what was his name um oh uh, uh he was uh, the john erickson he was yeah uh, peter worth yeah you'd like me to die quickly wouldn't you without wasting too much of your time or quietly so i won't embarrass you too much or even thankfully so your memory of the occasion won't be too unpleasant. My memory is so pleasant as it is. It's gonna take an awful lot of whiskey to wash out your guts. Phew. Go on, go on, swill it. What is there left for you to do? You're as dead as Kamoko and you don't know it. Take it easy now, McCready. Sit down. Sit down. Why don't you tell me to kneel down and beg his pardon for bringing up an unpleasant subject? You don't have to remind me. I've never forgotten. Well, now, isn't that noble of you? You haven't forgotten and you're ashamed. That's really noble of you. I suppose four years from now you'll be sitting around here telling people you haven't forgotten me either. That's real progress. In the meantime, I'll be as dead as a... Why don't you tell me what happened? 
I... I... What happened? Why did you come here, Mr. McCready? Did Kamoko have any other family besides his son, Joe? Son? Nobody around here ever knew he had a son. Yes, he had a son. He's dead, too. He's buried in Italy. I asked you before, why did you come here? Why, this Kamoko boy died trying to save my life. They gave him a medal. I came here to give it to his old man. I figured the least I could do was give him one day out of my life. Well, are you going to tell him I got it? Yeah, because that was Lizworth's brother. Lizworth was pay- played by Anne Francis. And I just love that scene. That was such a great scene. I was I was reading the reviews. They were pretty much generally positive um, in Variety, New York Times, so forth. So I, I, I just think it's a, it's a great film. The message of intolerance and covering up the, the murder of, of the Japanese farmer. Oh, you know what was cool about when he went out to the, um, the homestead? He saw those wildflowers, bear, you know, growing in like a certain area. And because of his experience in the war, he knew that those flowers only really grew over graves. And so he knew that that's where uh, Komoko was buried. And uh, I thought that was kind of a neat sort of connection and a little bit of detective work that he did to figure out what had happened. I also like the fact that it was tightly done and it only runs about uh, 80 minutes. You know, there's no, there's no part of that movie for me that, that slows down or, or, or loses focus. And uh, I think the audiences agree with that. It has a rotten tomatoes uh, review of 96%, which is pretty darn good. Yeah, and I thought, oh, the fact that uh, John McCready doesn't ever, he doesn't ever kill anybody in the in the movie, does he? He catches the one guy on fire, Robert Ryan's character on fire, but no, he doesn't the, die. No, he doesn't kill anyone, but uh, they all pay for their past uh, life, that's for sure. And then the, uh, yeah. the train shows up at the end of the film again, and <laughs> the conductor said, What's all the excitement? What happened? A shooting. Thought it was something. First time the streamliner stopped here in four years. Second time. You know, this was uh, this was Anne Francis's first movie, I think, right before it was before uh, Forbidden Planet. I can't believe I couldn't remember that just now. Man, it's too early in the morning. And again, I was at the Judith Theater watching that one when it first came out. Yeah, she played a much different character in that film. And. I was reading that Ernest Borgnine, who is a superstar in his own right, was sort of starstruck in working with Spencer Tracy in this film because uh, I think he was kind of getting his start at that time as well. And he said that Spencer Tracy was, you know, just this incredible actor. And every day he would be on set going, oh my gosh, this is actually happening. (laughs) So it's kind of interesting that, you know, we all get that feeling sometimes of like, is this really happening? I can't believe this is actually happening. Well, I remember uh, one of the Turner Classic Movies uh, showing of this film. Uh, someone commented that Robert Ryan had somewhat the same reaction. And Ryan was a big star in his own right. But Tracy, I guess, was just a uh, charismatic and uh, overpowering actor that filled the screen, which is true. I mean, every time he was on the screen, I couldn't take my eyes off him. You know, when they filmed that last Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens, when the young actors and actresses were on stage with uh, Chewbacca and Han Solo, you know, 
<laughs> I was reading interviews where they had kind of the same reaction. They're like, oh my God, I can't <laughs> believe this is actually happening. Um, <laughs> that was my way. That was my way to tie this film into Star Wars. So there we go. Cause the new movie comes out this, uh, this Friday, I think rogue one, December 16th. Yes. Uh, some of the uh, family here in LA have already got their tickets. They're ready to go. Uh, so I, I give this film a ten. Boom! <laughs> dropping the ten. Dropping a ten. I I give it a I give it a ten too. <laughs> I, I could watch this movie every week and never get tired of it. And I love the story and the theme and and the message of it. It could be playing in 2016. You could change it around a little bit, but it wouldn't have to change much. So I, I love it. Replace replace the Japanese with like a, a Muslim family or something and. That would be similar. So, yeah, totally agree. It's a 10. And thank goodness, after a string of I, I, self-inflicted low-rating yeah. movies, I have to admit, we did that to ourselves. But it's good to be back on the top of the rating scale. No kidding. No kidding. I uh, I think it's pretty easy to find this film, too, for anyone who has not seen it. Uh, it's highly recommended. Yeah, you can find it on Blu-ray, on, on DVD. It comes on the cable networks every once in a while. Um yeah, I actually I actually bought it on iTunes because I knew I was going to watch it a bunch of times, and it was on sale. Yeah, I have it. I have it here, and I put it on the list that I sent up to uh, show the family. You know, some of the the twenty two movies that I recommended. Oh, that you sent <laughs> that you sent to here. Here's my pick of classic movies that I recommend. Yeah, well, we're getting we're getting through a lot of them. I mean, we're closing in on a hundred episodes, so that's uh, that's a lot of classic movies and i know there's thousands more we're never going to be able to review them all but we're hitting the highlights i think uh what's up next 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 episode which will be released before december 25th will be a christmas story yay and we we had an executive uh session and an executive decision that would be the two of us that we would go into the 1980s for this film because we love it so much and we uh we went beyond our 1979 a stop date for films just so we could do that so i'm glad we did that well come on when you're watching it you feel like you're transported <laughs> back to the 1940s every, or... every time i see that movie i think i'm that little kid with a bb gun every time i watch that movie i go oh there's dad that's his life in lewistown it really was especially that that scene in the downtown when they're looking through the big plate glass window into the uh the store and he's you know his eyes are so big and he's looking at all this stuff in there and there's a train in there and i was like oh my god it is it is in every perfect I, I think we're going to have a, a fun time reviewing it and it will receive a, a high review i would guess don't you well that's shall right. we wrap it up for this time okay well this was fun so that was bad day at black rock and uh Thanks for listening, everyone. This is Matt Johnson coming to you from Portland, Oregon. And Bob Johnson in Los Angeles wishing you both happy holidays and happy movie watching.